This is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus Performance Line. A feeling this dynamic is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus Performance Line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It's Friday. It's a live edition of Believe in Steelers. Welcome in. I'm Mark Bergen. He's two-time Super Bowl champion at Pittsburgh Steelers. Scott Ike Taylor, IT, Victory Friday. Steelers beat the Tennessee Titans on Thursday night football. It's great to see you, and I'm in great spirits heading into the weekend. Yeah, it didn't look good at first. It was looking kind of scary. Um, I thought Will, I thought Will Levis was about to uh take off like he did the week before, but you know, Pittsburgh defense just always come through, especially at Alcatraz Stadium. So the TJ Watts, the Highsmith, you see Quan, you know, in the game basically with the interception. Mm -hmm. And uh we could talk about this two four kid named Joy Porter Jr. And uh he's asking to play the team's best receiver and they're giving it to him. And he's not doing a bad job at all, Mark. Like a lot to talk about. I want to start with Kenny Pickett, though, because the Steelers have been playing with fire with the offense. I've right. been very critical of Matt Canada myself, but you saw some adjustments. He's down on the sidelines. Broderick right. Jones starting at right tackle, which right. we'll discuss. But the title of this podcast is Cardiac Kenny Pickett, Clutch Kenny Pickett. And yet again, we saw the Steelers' second year quarterback rally the team in the last two seasons. Must most go ahead touchdowns in the final five minutes of games. Kenny Pickett now has four. He's ahead of Josh Allen with three. We compared him to Eli Manning on previous episodes, Ike, to say it's not always perfect for the first right. three quarters, but I don't know what happens with him in the fourth quarter. He morphs into a different dude. I mean, the pass he had to Deontay Johnson along the sidelines on that touchdown drive was beautiful. Credit Deontay Johnson, his savviness for not showing his hands right away and showing his lens at the very last minute because it prevents the de defensive back from knocking the ball away, Ike. Something happens with Kenny Pickett in the fourth quarter where I've said this before too. We record this show each week, twice a week, Ike. And it's like change the teams, change the time of the game, but it's the same narrative. Close game. You're trailing, and then late in the game, Kenny Pickett rallies this team again. I don't know how long you can sustain this, but we saw it again last night on Thursday Night Football. Yeah, Clutch Kenny. Um, I mean, it just got to be in your DNA, to be honest with you, Mark. Some people got it, some people don't. And to see Kenny, um, especially on the last drive, kind of throw everything out the window the first three quarters. He didn't have a good first three quarters, what he probably thought he was going to have. I know you missed Deontay on the curl. I know you missed George on a on a crossing route as well. He overthrew somebody else. But just to let all that go and have a short memory and come up in the fourth quarter, especially when the team needs you or on the last drive, when the team needs you and you just kind of like wake up and turn into somebody else. So Kenny has displayed that over the course of several games, Mark, especially on the primetime game. So we can say what we want to say. I'm going to talk to you like how Coach T talked to us. We get paid by the wins. We don't okay. care whether they're early, <laughs> whether they're pretty, or whether they're ugly. We get paid by the wins. So right now, Pittsburgh 5-3 and three, sitting second 
in AFC North. I'm going to say this too. I, again, I've been very critical of Canada. If you actually go back and watch the tape right. against the Jags, he missed Deontay Johnson in the end zone. Johnson dropped a ball on a 40 yard pass in that Jags mm-hmm. game. And last night's game, the Steelers drive down and score on the first drive of the game. And going into the game, the Steelers had had only seven total offensive points in first quarters of games. So I like the adjustment, and I want to get into the line play in a second, but I want to stay on picket for here for just one more second, Ike. Uh, He missed some throws. He's missed some throws the last two weeks where we're very critical of Matt Canada. You hear even on the Pat McAfee show all the way in Utah, fire Canada, and you hear the chance of it. But I've at least seen the concepts the last two weeks where at a certain point, players got to play and players have to execute. And again, it hasn't always been perfect. Uh, I thought we saw improvements. If we want to go to the line discussion, Ike, we can because the Steelers rushed for a season-high 166 yards behind Jalen Warren, Najee Harris. I do want to talk some Broderick Jones today too. But Kenny Pickett has to be better as well. I need to see improvement there. And I point to so many statistics, Ike, and you say, well, you're Monday morning quarterbacking, Mark. But when the Steelers are the 34th team in NFL history to be outgained by their opponent in each of the first eight games of the season, and they are the only one of those teams to have a winning record. And again, I I have like six other stats I could throw out at you. If you want to achieve success this season and beyond, the offense has to get better. And I'll land here, Ike. Here's the way I look at it. If this offense was even average, You'd be talking about one of the NFL's elite teams right now. Right. So you got to look at it like this, Mark. This is how I look at it. So what Kenny had an okay game, and Kenny probably admit that. But from what OC Matt Canada did, staying up in the box, coming down on the field, I, I would look at it like this. It's like having uncle, your uncle sitting at the box calling plays. Right. You know, uncle sitting in the box, you you know, we got that favorite uncle. You can get away with a lot of stuff. He's fun. He's a good time. You don't really take him serious. Right. Now you put dad on the sideline and we know what dad brings a dad, the father. Mm-hmm. We put dad on the side, sideline. So we know what dad brings to the table. And that's how I look at the difference between, you know, Matt Canada sitting all the way in the box, coming down the sideline. So dad really get to see your eyes. He get to see the personnel. He get to see your body language. He get to chastise you right on site and all that. So now you got to hold yourself accountable, you know? So sitting up there in that box is like watching tape, coming down to the sideline with something Matt Canada never have done in the course of his career as an OC. But now he just get to check the temperature. Mark, he get to see, he get to feel. Uh, personnel's uh, go kind of smoothly. He get to check the temperature on what they're doing on the other sideline. He get to see their personnel running in and out. He get to see who banged up on the other sideline. He get to see who's the rookie, who's the weakness, blase, blase, right? So that's that's how I looked at it. I think from this point on, Matt Canada will be on the sideline. But Kenny, uh, you can say what you want to say about Kenny. Um, I would rather have a quarterback that's going to rally my team late clutch then a quarterback who's going to give me one through three and flame out in the clutch. So Kenny also knows what that defense he got. He said, man, just keep it, just keep it, keep it in close range. If y'all boys keep it for me in close range, I got action. 
Uh, you want to talk about the offensive line, the offensive line played the ass off, but I thought just Coach Mike, Mike, Matt Canada, Mark, he just called the heck of a game. He just, you can just tell, he can just check the temperature different from actually being on the sideline. This, you know, and the I sentiment, think, Ike, is, is going to be that Canada stays on the sideline moving got to, forward. Can't go back up, though. Yeah. Can't go back, can't, can't go back up. Like, did, then you're, you're celebrating with the boys. Um, you're, you're more emotional on the sideline. It's, it's, it's like, it's different. It's different from sitting at a Super Bowl in a box to actually sitting or standing on the sideline at a Super Bowl. It's a different kind of feel. You feel me? So that, that, that's what Matt Canada, in my mind, saw like, and I'm just speaking for Coach Matt. I'm not saying this. I'm just speaking for him. This is my personal opinion. Okay. Like, I'm just guessing. He's saying, like, damn, I should have always been on the sideline. <laughs> like, it, it, just, it, yeah. just, it, just, it just feels it just feels different. It's like going to your favorite artist concert, but instead of paying, you know, the tickets for the first row, you get backstage passes and you get to see them on stage. It's a little, it's a little bit different. Yeah. First no row, time. like first row. Let me just say this too. Uh, I do credit Kenny Pickett for playing. I know there wasn't an injury designation for him. I don't think it's any secret where his ribs aren't a hundred percent. I would rather see Kenny Pickett out there. 80, 85, I, I don't know what percentage I'd put it on, Ike. Right, but right. we know what Mitch Trubisky can do to this point uh, as a starting quarterback, given his sample size. So, yes, Pickett missed some throws, but also keep in mind, on the shortened week, he's also playing a little bit banged up as well. It's not to make excuses, but it's to point out the realities of the situation of what it is that's going on. And I thought that why that's why it was important to rely on the running game. That's why it was important to get Najee Harris and Jalen Warren going. On the very first play of the game, Mike, and I and I look, we could talk about Kenny Pickett till sundown, but we don't have a ton of time today. Very first play of the game, Mike, they run it to the right side with Broderick Jones starting at the right tackle position. Steelers haven't been able to run the ball to the right side all season long, and they get a five-yard game. And I'm like, this is going to be different tonight. And Broderick Jones coming out of Georgia where the Steelers traded up to get him to prevent the Jets from getting him. The term we used, if you go back and watch the show, is dancing polar bear. Now, I got to go back and watch some tape, Mike, but Broderick Jones has started two games, one at left tackle, one at right tackle. But his ability to move, to pull, and to get to the second level against opposing linebackers, defensive backs, and to move bodies at the line of scrimmage is downright impressive. And it is, of my opinion, he needs to start for the remainder of the season. Yeah, you know, I can't get into that kind of water. I'll let you talk about that kind of water. Really, you be talking for me, so I don't be tripping, right? But uh Broderick, uh, we all like Broderick coming out of coming out of Georgia. We all like his uh athleticism. Um, we felt like Broderick didn't have a ceiling. Uh we felt like, you know, for a guy to be three hundred something pounds to play basketball, dunk windmill, all that kind of stuff. Uh it's a reason why we named you the the, the dancing polar bell. We felt like Broderick um, didn't give up a sack at Georgia. Hopefully he can continue the same thing in the NFL. We just felt like Broderick just brought a different kind of demeanor when it came to the offensive line. You know, brought a different kind of uh, young, athletic, energetic demeanor on that offensive line. So, um, Broderick, uh, what you see is what we thought we would see uh, from a front from a front office standpoint. It's just when you get into the coaching, the coaching style, they just got to make sure Broderick 
is ready for 70 some plays if it is 70 some plays week in and week out. So that's on the coaching side. So we can't tap into that. Obviously, they're doing a heck of a job. But, um, man, we can talk about Broderick and just the energy he brings. Uh, seeing him run 15, you know, 20, 30 yards down the field, uh, whether it's, it's a screen pass or whether he's just trying to block somebody extra so his homeboy can score. Seeing him celebrate when Najee ran right, right past him in the end zone, uh, yelling, it just, it just says a lot. Like, that's what you need. Um, it's a good mix on the offensive line. Don't, don't get it twisted. The offensive line really haven't had the chemistry of gelling all together with one another because they've been in and out. Now you're starting to see, you know, what this offensive line can do. And one of the reasons why is because of young Broderick. You know, you can say what you want to say. It's hard to go from left to right. You know, you, you got to change one side of your brain to the other side of your brain. Then you got to change your muscle memory from the left side to the right side. It's, it's a lot dealing with that. But he's so athletic, Mark. And when you get him and when you trade up for him, these are the kind of things he can do for this team. But you said it right, man. That first play, when it went for like five yards, you already knew what kind of game it was going to be. It's really important that the Steelers establish that because in seven of the eight games, Ike, the Steelers have lost time of possession. Now, they lost last night, but only by a minute. Going up against on the other side of the ball, King Henry and Derrick Henry, we know what he can do running the ball. That was my concern because you knew that that was going to be Tennessee's recipe with a rookie quarterback. So the Steelers don't get annihilated from that standpoint. And I also look at it and let me put on my front office hat, Ike, and you're going to be limited in what you can say here as well. I look at the contract situations. Broderick Jones, you got a rookie deal. He's a first-round pick. Okay. Dan Moore Jr. is under contract for this season and next. He's making less than like $2 million a year. I look at Chooks, who got benched last night. He's making more than $10 million a year. So I'm looking at this beyond this season of who's your potential cap casualty. Eventually, I want to see Broderick Jones play left tackle. That's what you drafted him to do. But if that's what the Steelers need to do right now is to say, hey, play right tackle. Dan Moore Jr. is going to hold down the blind side of Kenny Pickett. Fine. But that's how I see this playing out. But again, I've watched Steelers games all season long, and it seems every time they've run the ball to the right side, it just gets stuffed at the line of scrimmage, maybe a two-yard gain, maybe if you're lucky. And when they got five yards on the very first play last night and they go down and score a touchdown, they convert two third-down conversions on the very first drive of the game. And who's who's Najee running behind? Oh, number 77. That's what stuck out to me. Yeah, so I, you know, and... I think the ties, the ties have turned, Mark. Uh, when it comes down to blind side or right side, uh, tackles offensive linemen. Um, Ike, you've been all over this. Explain this to our viewers if they're just listening to this the first so, time because I've had you explain this to me many times before. So, so the reason why I'm saying this is because, you know, usually quarterbacks are right-handed. You know, and it's, it's, hard, it's hard when you have, you know, the Von Millers, the T.J. Watts, the, the Miles Garrett's, I understand the blind side, and I get it. But usually your right-hand quarterbacks are, are the formation is set up to the right side, the left side of the defense, right? And when you have enough pressure that's right in front of your face, I'm not talking about it coming from the blind side. It takes a toll on you mentally as a quarterback because you see the TJs. You, you, you see the Miles. You see them coming right in front of your face, so it forces you to step, uh, maybe step up and react quicker than you should have reacted or maybe think uh, and not slowing your mind down 
uh, normally what you do, would do if you wasn't worrying about your blind side. That right side for me, that right tackle for me, is just as important as a left tackle, Mark. So I can chip. I can get somebody to chip on that left side. I can get a fullback, or I can, not a fullback. I can get a running back, or I can get a tight end on that on that left side, and I can be all the way good because I know they're gonna handle that. But if I got somebody coming from my right side, and you actually trying to scroll through your read progressions, and you know you got a dog and TJ Watt on his right side, I need to pay my right side just as much as my left side. You know, because the offense is predicated because I'm right-handed where my progression should go. You know, so that's how I always look at always We always talk about the blind side. The blind side is very important. I think in my mind, but I think that right tackle is just as important <laughs> Than that, than that blind side because of the T.J. Watts and company, because of the way the offenses are are based, because of the right-hand quarterbacks and the read progression. So you always go from right to left from a quarterback standpoint. If you know you got them T.J.'s and them Miles and them Nick, and them Nick Bolsas and them Joy Bolsas coming from, you know, your right side, it's going to be hard to think because you're thinking – hit, sack, pressure. So now you're just rushing everything in your read progression. So um, we, we, we talk about a lot of that blind side, but the three guys, I, four guys I just named. If you look at Nick, Nick Bosa, Joy Bosa, Miles Garrett, he usually go either right or left. But TJ usually is on the left side of defense and right side of the offense. Them four boys play on the left side of the defense, the right side of the offense. And you can only imagine how a quarterback feels to know I got this dude possibly can come in my face every time. Not only mess up me physically, but mentally from a re-progression standpoint because I don't know how long I have. Ike, I don't know if this is a dumb question, but I'm going to ask it, and I've never asked you this before. Is there a talent discrepancy when you're just talking about ability as an offensive lineman between the guys who play left tackle in the NFL and play right tackle in the NFL? Man, you got to find them Brodericks. You know, you like, because football has evolved now. Like, we, we can't think about blindside like how it was when I played with, with the, John, the Jonathan Augustus, you know, Hall of Fame guys, uh, the Alan Fanicus Hall of Fame guys. Joe Thomas, can, I mean, the list goes on and on and on. on, and on. No, we can go on and on about these Hall of Fame blindside guys, right? It's the, it's the, it's the right side. Now, so now, now these defensive coordinators, they put in their best pass rusher so the quarterback can actually see them. It's the difference between, okay, I got somebody on the blind side. I got an offensive guard or blase, blase. I'm not really thinking like that. Now we putting Miles, TJ, Nick, and Joey on the right side of the offense so you can actually, so you can actually see me. But are there teams that aren't cognizant of this is what I'm asking, like when they're drafting? Because when you think of, oh, well, we're going to draft the offensive tackle in the first rounds. I mean, even when the Steelers drafted Broderick Jones, it was, oh, well, we want him at the left tackle position, not the right tackle position. Is is there a talent discrepancy? It's like, I mean, I guess the one guy I could think of, Ike, would be uh, Jack Conklin over in Cleveland. And they signed him. He was over in Tennessee. Now, he's had injury problems, no doubt, but he was the guy who helped make King Henry what he is when King Henry was almost going for, what, 2,000 yards. They were running to the right a lot. So I guess 
what I'm asking is, is just like, I just, the perception I get, Ike, is when you're talking about stud offensive tackles, a lot of times we're talking about the Trent Williams of the world. I traditionally think of left tackle and not right tackle, but maybe the smarter team should put that in reverse. I, I, I don't know. That's why I asked that question. I'm rambling now. No, they do. So, you know, you know, the smarter, the smarter team, they, for, for your two guards, you just need two dogs at guards. You need two pit bulls at guards. For your two tackles, you need Argentinian dogos. You need big, strong, athletic guys who can probably go both sides, right or left. Mm. You can say you, you can say you draft them at the left side, but when a contract comes and <laughs> I haven't given up any sacks, whether I'm right or left, I'm still getting paid. So you can throw the blind mm-hmm. side out the window, you know? So from an agent standpoint, it's like, Okay, you're gonna to try to you're gonna to try to force my hand as an organization to be like the blind side, the blind side, and then from an agent standpoint, who's got a who's got a player on the right side, he can be like, heck, just look at Ike and Mark Bergen podcast, and he got to go against these Miles Garrett, these Nick and Joey mm-hmm. Bosa, and these TJ Watts. They line up on the right side of offense, the left side of defense. And depending on who you're going against, they got to see these guys twice if they're in their division. <laughs> you feel me? So yep. you got an argument on both sides. So that's how I look at it. Give me two pit bulls. I'm sorry. Give me two pit bulls sitting in the middle um, for your two guards. Give me a smart athletic center. And give me two dancing polar bears for my two tackles. And we're set, Ike. And we're set. There's one other thing I want to mention from last night's game because uh, we're up against time, Mike. And the thing I noticed too, we loved what we saw from Broderick Jones and Joey Porter Jr. They both had penalties late that I think will get cleaned up. Broderick Jones on the extra point, and then they enforced it on the kickoff. That's big with field positioning. So understanding, addressing it, learning from it to where that doesn't happen moving forward. But then Joey Porter Jr. too, and it's like, Okay, when you're going up against D Hop, coming off a week where he had three touchdown passes, and we're reminded why Hopkins is considered one of the best receivers in the game, it's going to happen. And all in all, I think that he held up very well. I don't think Hopkins had a catch in the second half last night, Ike. So, Steelers rookie, uh, I know he was a second round pick, but really it was like a first round pick uh, with Joey Porter Jr. Again, these things will get cleaned up. If I'm being very critical on that final Titans drive, uh, whether it's Levi Wallace, which I think he actually played pretty well last night in coverage, uh, Darius Rush as well. If they can catch the interceptions uh, late in the games just to put Tennessee away and not to give them any more chances, that's me being very, very critical, but only allowing 16 points. And I was confident that the Steelers didn't need to dial it up against Levis. They can get home with four consistently with the pass rush that they have thanks to T.J. Watt, Highsmith, who had two more sacks last night, leading the league in pressures, taking advantage of one-on-ones with the attention that T.J. Watt garners. Cam Hayward's back. Golden had another sack last night. Herbig has played well, given his limited snaps. What you can do defensively when you can rush the passer with four and get home consistently with four and not having to dial up the blitz and put you guys in one-on-one coverage I think that's huge for the Steelers defense. And we saw that last night. 
And even late, it's like, oh, are they going to bring the blitz? Are they going to bring the house against Levis? They didn't need to last night. Yeah, you got to look at it like this. It's it's a whole new mix in that secondary, especially that linebacker position. You know, Holcomb got hurt. Yeah. Vaughn came in, did his thing. Uh, Cam came back off his injury. He was a major. And, 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 and Bentu, the rookie, has been playing lights out the other defensive line. We ain't, we ain't talking. We're we going to get to talking about him probably later on in our show, on the next show, Mark. But, you know, TJ, you know what TJ bringing. You know what Highsmith bringing. But Rush coming, off, Rush coming off the bench, what I mean off the bench, Rush coming off the street in the secondary and, and mm-hmm. putting his name on it. Uh, Minka was hurt, so Minka went out there, wasn't out there, so we knew the impact that was going to have. But it just took a while for that secondary, you could just tell, for everybody to get on the same page throughout the course of the game because it was a few snaps that the secondary wasn't on the same page. Luckily, they didn't turn up to be seven points or three points. Also, as well, uh, JP just got to do it, JP Jr. Just got to do a better job with the, the penalties. And But once he settled down, once he settled down, we, he started to display his capabilities on him trying to be a shutdown corner in the NFL. So tip my hat off to that. But you know Pat Pete going to be Pat Pete. Uh, like you say, Levi, Levi played solid last night. But between Rush, Keanu, Keanu Neal, and DeMonte Casey, um, I thought they played well, considering that they didn't have a couple of weeks or they haven't been playing together for a, a long period of time. And also, you know, Coach also had as well Pat Pete playing a little bit of safety in that slot too. So it was just a good mixture. But I think for everybody, everybody pretty much had to settle down. And once they settled down and they understood, uh, they checked the temperature on that defensive line, everything was all great. Let me pick piggyback off that, Ike, and we'll, we'll wrap up here. How the Steelers had to shuffle the secondary around on a shortened week last night without Minka. I also want to see Tara Lawson, Mike Tomlin. Here's where you earn your bones, right? If Cole Holcomb's out for the foreseeable future, and we'll see, like, it, it didn't look good. Quan right. Alexander, obviously a Landon Roberts step up. But right now, it seems like we can't get enough snaps for Marcus Golden or Nick Herbig. Could you bring them onto the field in an inside linebacker role? I know Mark Robinson could get into the mix as well. But to create confusion for opposing offenses with your front seven in moving those guys around and mixing and matching them, it's going to be fascinating to see how the Steelers do that because I hope Cole Holcomb can get back on the field quickly. But again, it didn't look great at the time we're recording this on Friday morning, Ike. But to move those guys around and to get creative – uh, I think there's an opportunity to do that because, again, I don't expect Holcomb to be back anytime soon. Yeah, well, I think we'll see more of 93 Robinson come mm-hmm. into the game. Um, he's another, like, energy, uh, electric. Uh, for me, he's the Jalen Warren on the defensive side. When it comes down to the energy, when it comes down okay. to the energy okay. part, the energy part um, that's, that's, when I look at him, that's what I think. A month so, from now, Ike, I'm going to come back to this clip. You're going to be like, Ike told us this on November the 5th about Mark Robinson. Psychic Ike Taylor out on the Believe in Steelers podcast today. And I think that would be perfect for us to wrap it up like that, too. Ike, we're up against time. I could talk to you till sundown about last night's game, but I want to thank you, the Believe Network. Today's presenting sponsor, betonline.ag. They'll take care of all of your NFL gambling needs. It's week nine. Steelers against the Packers in week 10. They'll be at home back in Pittsburgh at Acrisure Stadium. 
Ike, you're the absolute best. And if you're watching on YouTube, tap that subscribe button, Apple and Spotify, five stars and five stars only. God thing believe it's still this podcast. God thing my dog, Mark Bourbon. We have to give a huge shout out to betonline.ag for always rocking with us. Make sure y'all subscribe on YouTube. Give us a five star rating on Apple Podcasts. Thank y'all for tuning in. Frank Taylor, I'm Mark Bergen. Thanks for watching Believe in Steelers. We'll be back next week. Enjoy NFL Week 9. Until then, take care. It's so long, everybody. This is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus Performance Line. A feeling this dynamic is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus Performance Line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer.